I'm excited because I've got to hear this message get worked out for the last week and a half or two. Um, but a couple months, a lifetime. Yeah. God, uh, thank you so much for my brother, Dan. And I, I bless him. God, in, in your name. And, and we ask that the words that you would speak to us tonight would come forth clearly. Um, that they would spring up from just what you're doing in his life and the, the things that you're speaking to him, the things that you're revealing to him. And uh, hmm, God, uh, prepare our hearts to be just that good soil that this, this word can sink into and grow from and, and not be something that we, we cast aside or, or, or rush up into quickly, um, but that, God, it would, it would sink deep. And, and we love you, and we expect you to be with us. Um, so be with us as we, we listen to your word through our brother. Amen. 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 <coughs> this is fun, isn't it? Can we make it more fun? I'm, f- I'm feeling pretty animated. Are you guys okay if I'm animated up here? So um, we're going we're gonna to do a bunch of stuff today. We're going to talk about a lot of things. Um, but, you know, some of us struggle with shame, condemnation. I'm going to try to take a big sledgehammer to that today. Amen. Um, some of us struggle with religious spirit or just religious mindsets. We're going to take a wrecking ball to that today. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to try to hit it. Um, is it okay? It's April Fool's Day. So jokes are told to make people look like fools, right? So like we have, you know, a rubber band on the spray nozzle on the sink, right? Toil- to- uh, saran wrap on the toilet seat. You know, like all these classic <laughs> April Fool's jokes. Can I, can I make you all look like fools today? Because no. <laughs> I'm going to try. And I'm going to make myself look like one too, which isn't very hard. But hopefully we'll all feel a little foolish at some point tonight. And it'll be a lot of fun. So there's a lot of jokes out there, a lot of practical jokes, a lot of April Fool's jokes. But I really think that there's one that puts them all to shame. There's one thing, one person, one act that has the population of the world over looking like a bunch of fools. It's April 1st. What else do we celebrate in April? Easter. The death and resurrection of Jesus. The greatest joke in all of history. Not in a bad way in a really, really awesome way, and we're going to explore that. If you have a Bible, you can turn to 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 31. This is a passage that's great, and there's a lot of freedom in it if we embrace it. Hallelujah. For the word, are you there? Could I go? 1 Corinthians 1, starting in 18. I should have included that part. April Fool's Romans. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Really do that one. So, for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For, I write, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, 
but God has chosen you, the foolish things of the world, to shame the wise. God has chosen you, the weak things of the world, to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen, the things that are not, so that they may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God, but by his doing you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Amen. So does anyone want to get foolish tonight? Because I'm going to make you look really foolish. Okay, so there's two things in this passage. There's the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. All right, and, and Jesus says he's going to destroy the wisdom of the world. Can we take a whack at that? So let's destroy the wisdom of the world. So it says, where's the wise man? Where's the scribe? Where's the debater of this age? I was a, uh, I studied philosophy in, in college, and so studied all sorts of thought and ideas and all sorts of things. Um, since the beginning of time, humanity has been obsessed with one thing. L- living. Everything, everything revolves around living, revolves around life. Um, you know, our questions, right? Our concerns, our efforts, our struggles, our emotions, they revolve around living. Happiness, fulfillment, joy, peace, success, anger, pain, struggles, consequences, all these things and the questions that come with them all have to do with life. How we live, how we live together, the best way to live. We're obsessed with it. Absolutely obsessed with living and I think controlled by it. Think of anxiety. What is anxiety? I was listening to a sermon the other day. Um, Damon Thompson said, anxiety is arrogance. He said, anxiety is arrogance. It's thinking you can do something when you can't. It's ultimately trying to control and contain and manipulate life, and you're so afraid of the outcome of something that is outside of your control that you freak out. And so... The wisdom of the world, we call it the wisdom of the world, I want to identify as, as this focus and centered all around life. And yet, oftentimes, that's the way that we're, we're centered even in our, our Christian thought. Um, I'm not saying that we shouldn't seek good advice or that we don't need some practical application and, and some people who are, um, have gone through experiences to, to help us out. Um, but, but it's not just about good behavior. It's not just about good living. Think about it, okay? We've had nothing but good advice about life for the last 5,000 years. And where has it gotten us? I don't know. I I would suggest probably not much better um, than it was then. Um, You know, good living, this striving to to attain this idea of fulfillment, um, success, self-actualization, I'm going to be content when my circumstances change, I'm going to be, you know, more joyful when, when this happens, I'm going to be, um, it's all about this control and this manipulation of, of everything that is in life. But if we think about it, even good living, all of our efforts in striving to live good um, and to dutifully, you know, do our best, seem <laughs> like when we, when we look at that and we take a step back, oftentimes that puts us in a worse position than when we started. Who here has tried super hard and then fallen flat on your face? Yeah. yeah. And we try so hard and we strain so hard and we get so anxious and so nervous because we want this thing to work. Even it's life with God. And we want this thing to work so we, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to fall flat on your face. Fall flat on your face. There's, uh, you know, trying to grasp hold of what we have, trying to grasp hold of life actually leaves us empty and only wanting more. Amen. And if we're, if we're honest with ourselves, these attempts at living have only produced anxiety, worry, and depression. Living causes us to fall into comparison, makes us discontent, and produces bitterness, resentment, and insecurity. Why? Because you think that you should be somewhere where you're not. You want something you don't have. And then you think that you have the ability to attain certain things or that the position that you're in was attained from your own self-effort. And so then you just start comparing and you want to feel better. So you put others lower and, and you want to, to be better. So you try to attain and attain and attain all these things, whether it's a, a characteristic or a car or a job or a you know wife or whatever. There's all this 
comparison. Trying to live well, trying to, to base your life on good living ultimately puts you in the bookkeeping business. You say, this person does this and I do that. I did this bad, they do that bad. And we're always weighing, we're always living in this perpetual state of comparing and contrasting. Good living, more wisdom of the world. Let's, let's be honest about it. There's no, there, there's, there's very few parents who screw their children up on purpose. Right? You, you generally don't hurt people out of just this evilness that you have. You genu- genuinely want to help them. Parents genuinely want to love their children. It's just tainted with this, this subtle selfishness that it's not even realized. But the intent is really good. The intent is awesome. Even the, the greatest, as you think about it, th- some of the greatest atrocities in the world have done be- been done for the sake of good living, for the sake of an ideal of doing something that's right. Even you know the Holocaust was thought to be good. It was thought that it was going to be this, this good principle and, and living well. So, there's a paradox. Okay? Uh, verse 20 and 21 in that passage. Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. So through all this striving in life, trying to attain and maintain, failed to, to come to know God. And... God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. So now we have the other type of wisdom, right? The wisdom of God. Matthew 16, 24 through 27. Is anyone feeling like, man, I try to live a lot? It's okay. We're all fools. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So how has God made the wisdom of the world foolish? All right, we'll we'll, we'll think about it. Jesus came because our best efforts at living didn't cut it. They just did not cut it. Us and our, our self-attainment and trying to live well and change the world through, through good living completely failed. Completely failed. That's the whole reason why Jesus came. So he flips this thing up on its head. He said, you think you're living well. Well, I've come to show you that you're actually living really horribly. That in all of your self-attempts to try and con- control and, and mandate and manipulate your life and other people's lives, you've actually you know, done the very opposite of what you intended to do. You're all a bunch of fools. You know, it's not, our, it's not our ability, but our inability that mandated Jesus coming. It's not our success at living, it's our absolute failure. That's crazy. That's just crazy. You know, and yet we are hell-bent <laughs> on dictating our stance, you know, with God through living. But he says it's our very failure at that attempt that mandates his involvement. The road to victory is not an upward climb of living. It begins and finishes when you understand, <laughs> I missed the last one, so when you understand that you are completely bankrupt before God, that you have nothing to offer, struggle, brokenness, suffering, come to f- coming to face with your like inability is actually most of the battle. That's, that's most of the battle. But, but we refuse to because we're still adamant that good living is going to change something and God says no you know it just makes things just makes things worse so coming to terms with those things is 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 most of the battle the reason why you're trying to live so well is because you're hiding from yourself and and we realize that when we go through things like restored and we go through things like oh wow I'm really actually horrible at this I thought I was doing a really good job at life you're like, whoo, you know, nope, never mind. My eyes, my eyes are open. Um, but the gospel sets you free. It sets you free. We're going we're gonna to work through that a little bit. It's going to be really fun. Um, but being convinced that you just screwed up when you try, and that's the whole reason Jesus came, allows you to address the things that you're running from. Okay, so the gospel 
this, this backwards way of wisdom, when you realize that, hey, I can't really do anything to, to you know, change the way that God views me, well, all of a sudden that frees you to actually be you. It frees you from pretense. When you can't add anything or take away from anything, just like, all right, deal. I can be broken. I can, I can go through the struggle, and that's half the battle. You're going to find your victory like that um, when you get to that point. I really believe so. So there's a, there's a place where we can rejoice in our inability. But no, <laughs> your, your weakness is your only redeemable quality. Your weakness is your only redeemable quality. It's the only, only reason why you're included in salvation. It's because you're weak. It's because you're foolish. It's because you can't do it. Come to realize that there's a lot of freedom there. And that's, that's really how true righteousness begins to be produced. That's how you can stay attached to the vine and produce the fruit of the Spirit. Holy living doesn't come from living and we're going to explore this, but actually comes in death. actually comes from dying. I have this quote here um, from this guy named Robert Capone. He says, you get worried and worked up about so many things. It's a wonder you don't kill yourself with all the effort it's taking you to hold your life together. Let it go. As long as the most important thing in your life is to keep finding your way, you're going to live in mortal terror of losing it. Once you're willing to be lost, though, you'll be home free. Your lostness is the one thing no one will ever be able to take away from you. That's salvation right there. The only ticket anybody needs is the one ticket that everybody already has. And that allows us to live without pretense, live without comparison. You don't need to pretend. When you realize that you deserve nothing, that you're completely incapable and then you realize you've been given everything, that's going to set you free. The gospel is what sets you free. So, life out of death. Verse 22 and 25. For indeed Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified or dead to Jews, a stumbling block, and, and to Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Okay, now God, Jesus has come to bring life and life to the full. Amen? John 10, 10, life abundantly, absolutely abundantly. Life is important, okay? Jesus comes to bring it. But in the greatest April Fool's joke of all time, he makes it so that life comes out of death. That's backwards. It's so opposite of the way that we think, the way that we function, that it messes with our brains. It absolutely messes with our minds. Um, I'm going to just read this group of passages um, from the Apostle Paul and, and other places, and then I'm going to talk, I'm going to preach the gospel, okay? And in the gospel, laden in the gospel is the freedom, okay? That's the beauty of the gospel. It says, know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Sometimes we, we say, you know, come to Jesus, and then Jesus will set you free. I want to say, no, if you know what Jesus did, it is freedom, like that understanding of what he did, that he did it for you, as you, apart from you, you had nothing to do with it. That in itself is freedom because it frees you from you and it frees you from the world. But we're going to jump into that. Um, so I'm going to read these, these scripture passages and it's just awesome how much death is laden in here. Death and life and this awesome paradox and this awesome joke. So, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In fact, everyone who is in Christ has crucified the flesh along with its passions and desire. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, as if you are still alive in the world, why do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used. According to human precepts and teaching, these have indeed appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Or do you not know that your life is hidden with Christ in 
God. You have been purchased at a price. Therefore, glorify Christ in your body. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. In fact, I claim to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. I have come to know the truth, and that truth has set me free. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. In any and every circumstance, I have learned to be content, for my life is but a mist here today and gone tomorrow. Therefore, I do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough worries of its own. In fact, I am anxious about nothing, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, I present my requests to God. Jesus. Amen. Right? So here's the thing. Here's the good news, and I'm going to invite you to die tonight. I'm going to invite you to die. Jesus, God himself, comes into the world and he saves us. Those who cannot save themselves. He came into a worldly system where everyone is so earnestly striving to live. Boost up your morality. Look down on the tax collector, the sinners, the liberals. Wash your hands and make sure you don't you know, tie your sandal on the Sabbath day. The world has been submitted to a yoke of slavery, trying unsuccessfully to liberate ourselves, keeping tabs on every thought and action desperately wanting to know who's in and who's out. This mentality pushes us into a frantic attempt at living. We take the responsibility for freedom. The bonds that hold us are the lies themselves. The bonds that hold us are the lies themselves. The lie that good living will ultimately save us. The lie that good living has any purchase in your salvation. And that makes the truth the key that will set you free. The truth that Christ died for you while you were still a sinner. God gave all judgment to the Son whose whole deal is grace. He didn't come to to judge the world. He didn't come to the world to judge the world, but to save the world. He doesn't hold our transgressions against us. Okay, this messes with our minds. This absolutely freaks us out because we're so bent on thinking that all of our actions and behaviors and thoughts and emotions dictate our stance before God and that we, you know, are in anguish when we consider our good attempts at living. Um, And paradoxically, okay, when we get this revelation of what Christ has done in us, for us, it's the only thing that will actually produce good living. (laughs) On the cross, Jesus undermined that system, that system of self-work of good living, and he worked salvation completely apart from you. Absolutely, 100%, completely apart from you. He doesn't hold your transgressions against you. He died for the sins of the world, and he reconciled us to the Father. He proclaims from his mercy seat, Behold, I have overcome the world. You are in because he died and rose again. That's it. It has nothing to do with you or your good living. Or your bad living, really. In fact, it doesn't really have to do with your response either. Your response is simply faith. It's an acknowledgement that it's true. It doesn't get you forgiven. It doesn't really get you saved, but it acknowledges and allows you to experience and enter in and it rests in the reality of your forgiveness. That's why the truth will set you free. It sets you free from keeping tabs. When you realize that you couldn't do it, then you don't expect anyone else to do it. You know, we talk about unforgiveness. We talk about forgiveness. When you realize that you're forgiven, you can't hold unforgiveness against anyone else because you no longer expect them to. Hallelujah. What liberty. What liberty. You're no longer offended. Oh, you did that. No, of course you did that because you don't know Jesus. You, You no longer have a right. The world says be entitled. The gospel says you deserve hell, and yet you've been given everything. The only response is to go, Woo! Jesus! Hallelujah! If we just got a little bit this eternal thing, this eternal life and life with God, then we would never complain. Never. Do everything without grumbling or complaining. There is never, ever, ever, ever a good excuse to complain. Never. About getting up early, working, you know, 80 hours a week, praise God. You know, getting in lots of tense and purposeful relationship situations where you get to evangelize your parents, praise the Lord because they couldn't do it. And you can release them from the expectation that they should have been able to do it because you couldn't do it. Jesus came to prove that you couldn't do it. He came to convince you that he couldn't do it and that liberates you from you. 
and it liberates you from other people. Hallelujah. So it has nothing to do with you, but by his doing, verse 30, 31, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. It has nothing to do with you. You botched it. You made a mess of it. When you catch the drift of this joke, once you're in on the joke, you can just laugh your way to heaven. <laughs> that's, the, that's, that's really the, the flavor of faith. The flavor of faith. Just laugh your way to heaven. Wow, it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with me. The reason why it liberates me from all that struggle is because I realize that the whole process and system that I'm in is, is no longer valid, that I, that I just don't believe that anymore. I can't. That's what the gospel is. What shall we say then, Romans 6? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? By no means. That's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard, says Paul. How can you who died to sin still live in it? In other words, how can you have an understanding of this grace extended for you and this reorientation of wisdom and keep sinning? It makes no sense. It's a paradox. You can't do it. You can't. You can't get it and keep sinning. That's what he's saying. You can't get it and keep sinning. You know, there's all this sort of freaking out about, you know, license to sin and, you know, this, you know, crazy grace gospel. And, but grace is, is not license to sin. It's freedom from it. People, you know, who are like, well, well, they're not really preaching grace. Or even if they're preaching grace, no one's believing it. You know, it's not, it's not a threat. You know, what? Well, you know, you shall be known by your fruit. But the beautiful thing is it has really nothing to do with your fruit. And that's why it has the capacity to produce it in you. Because you just stay attached to the vine and just the fruit starts popping off. Amen. So, uh, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Hallelujah. For if we have been united with him in death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we had died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must, you must, 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 must consider yourself dead to sin. And alive to Christ Jesus. Why? Because it's true. Whether you believe it or not, feel it or not, think it or not, experience it or not, it's true. So consider it. Acknowledge it. It's an accounting term. It's do the math and come to a conclusion. You're dead. You're dead. Do the math. Come to a conclusion. You're dead. Death is so easy, it's hard. Hard because of how hard we try to live. The gospel isn't just about Jesus' death. It's about yours. Believe in Jesus, and he will set you free. No, I, I don't see that. Know the truth, and that is freedom, and that will set you free. Know what Jesus did for you. You're liberated. You're set free. So, so basically, <laughs> you know, in that sense, <laughs> you know, if we take an assessment of the, the fruit of the church, then, we'll, then, you know, we'll have to say, well, the whole church needs to know the gospel then, right? Amen. Praise God. We do, and we need to be reminded. Every day. And if you're feeling condemned for, for not uh, feeling free, well, then you need to realize that it has doesn't have anything to do with that. And you can look to Jesus, <laughs> and you can fix your eyes on him, the author and the perfecter of your faith, and you can enter into that bliss right now, and you can be a happy, happy kid. Happy kid. I'm almost done. Okay, we talk about death. We talk about death. We talk about you're dead. You get your death certificate handed to you over and over and over and over again. Romans 6, Romans 7, Galatians. <laughs> He's dead. You can receive a lot when you're dead. You never get full. <laughs> so, we make, sometimes we make this into a process of dying. Okay? 
What do you think? What is dying? Is it not the most miserable form of living? Okay. There's really no, there's not a lot of freedom in dying. Okay. There's no, there's no freedom in dying. It's the worst bondage you can come up because you can't move and you're, you know, hurting all the time and you're in pain when you think about it. If you're dying, there's no freedom in that. (laughs) It's the most miserable form. The good news is not that you're dying slowly over time. The good news is you're dead. Consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to Christ Jesus our Lord. Now the process we go to is to realize that, reconcile it, and experience it. Praise God. Luke 14, 16 through 24. I'm going to address this quick. You may have the question, if God saves us apart from ourselves, what about hell? Good question. I don't really know. So I'm not really going to tell you. (coughs) Parable of the wedding feast. A man was giving a big dinner, and he invited many. And at the dinner hour, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. I'm way too busy living. The first one said to him, I have bought a piece of land, and I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to try them out. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have married a wife. (laughs) 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 And for that reason, (laughs) I cannot come. That's the the fruit of heaven right there, salvation. And the slave came back and reported this to his master. Then the head of the household became angry, and he said to the slave, Go out at once into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring back everyone who is worthy. And then, and then he invited you. No. <laughs> this is such, such good news. Bring in the poor and the crippled, the blind and the lame. And the slave said, Master, what you have commanded has been done, and there is still room. And the master said to the slave, Go out into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of these men who are invited shall taste of my dinner. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, when you think of that transaction, you're not giving up much because your life on your own sucks a lot. You're screwing it up all the time. You're struggling all the time. You're going in shame, condemnation, shame, condemnation. Oh, I'm victory for a week. Oh, I fell. Now I need to get saved again. No, you don't. You just need to realize that Jesus is your salvation apart from you. But that frees you from every relationship and every constraints of religion and bondage and people and expectations, your people-pleasing spirit and your God-pleasing spirit because he's super satisfied because of what Jesus did. So all these people were so caught up in living that they missed out on the party. It, it was the elder brother in the parable, right? It was the elder brother in the parable who was so set on good living and bookkeeping that he couldn't enjoy himself either. All you need to enter into the party is, is accept and, and enter into the death of Jesus. It's super easy. You just party. Woohoo! I'm in. That's it. You can do it right now. That's all it takes right now. That's what faith is. The gospel provides faith. It doesn't even demand it. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? The word of Christ. So I'm telling you the word of Christ, that he died for you, apart from you, and he doesn't hold your transgressions against you, and that he worked salvation on your behalf, and you can just accept it right now. So it's it's actually your lostness. I'm going to repeat it again. Your lostness, your lastness, your weakness. That's what gives you entrance into the kingdom. Nothing more and nothing less. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. That's me. That's me, and that's good news. That's so easy. That's so easy, it's a joke. If you want to insist on having your own way, if you want to insist on maintaining some sort of influence in this ultimate decision of your salvation, you can stand outside those gates while everyone else is partying, and you can have a a little, you know, pity, shame party. God will let you do that. If you insist on dictating your stance with God through behavior and, and keeping tabs on rights and wrongs, you can go ahead and pout. And if you want to do the whole thing through good living, then Jesus will pull out that book at the end and he'll say, it's stacked against you. 
He said, I have your name written here in the book of life. Just has your name, not your good deeds, not your bad deeds. But if, if you want to live according to your works rather than according to my son, you go right ahead. It'll torment you forever. And I'm just going to sit here and love you. All right. So if you're concerned with your right standing with God, we talked about that earlier, okay? Then you don't understand the gospel. Don't understand the gospel. That's okay. It's still for you. She <laughs> still died for you. <laughs> it's not a, it's th- we can take that as, again, an opportunity to feel ashamed or feel condemned. Like, oh, man, I'm not having faith. Well, of course not. You don't have the capacity to increase or buck up your faith. But you can hear the good news and you can allow the Holy Spirit to inspire it in you. So I hope that's happening even as we're talking. Shame and condemnation, the experience of shame, feeling bad for what you, were, um, what you did or, or shouldn't have done, condemnation, exists only pre-faith. In a pre in an unrenewed mind. Why? Everyone who's in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. Why is there no condemnation? Because he tells you, he tells you that he never expected you to be able to do it. Why are you expecting yourself to be able to do it? There's a lot of freedom in that. It's not a license to sin. It's going to set you free. The whole basis of being a Christian is that you have faith in Jesus, and that you're saved apart from yourself. Some of you are asking the same questions the disciples did. So what must I do? What must I do? What must I do? What must I do to be saved? Jesus replied to them, believe in the one that was sent. He died for you while you're still a sinner. He died for your sins before you ever sinned. He does not hold your transgressions against you. Receive that. This grace sets you free. No more efforts at gaining victory. You already have victory because it was purchased for you. It says you're more than a conqueror in Jesus. This is an invitation to die, to die to your experience, to, to be dead, to all of your, your striving at, at life. Not, it doesn't mean you don't have responsibility or you shouldn't you know, be obedient when the Lord calls you to do something. But it's a whole lot easier when that, that res- like the big responsibility of your salvation and outworking this is taken off your shoulders. It says that, that God is going to give you the desire and the ability to carry out his good pleasure. He's going to give it to you. He is going to give it to you. You respond to it. When he calls you out, you can respond to it. He says that no sin um, has overtaken you that is common to man, and I have given you a way out of it. So every time we face temptation, God is there saying, here's an avenue. You can take it. He's giving you, you, I mean, you have, you still have to take it, (laughs) but he's providing it right there. You can do it. So you're loved so much. So, so, so much. I, I, I hope that shame is broken off in the revelation of Jesus, what he's done for you, in you, as you. You're set free. You're given eternity and it's not your fault. We can rejoice right here, right now. Come on. We've been given victory, liberated by the blood of the Lamb. There's no more separation. He'll never let us fall from the palm of his hand, and we're going to grow in our revelation and our understanding of the heights and the depths and the length of the love of God. Paul is always praying that we increase in the true knowledge of God, that we grow in the grace and wisdom and understanding of this reality. Engage. Engage God then. It's right here. Allow him to, to wash over you. You can be broken. It's fine. Then be really honest and walk in the light. Be really honest and walk in the light. Your life is not your own after all. You can stop living like it is. You were purchased at a price. Let's boast in the Lord. Oh, yeah. Praise God. Yeah. So put your (laughs) praise Lord. Put your hand on your neighbor. Look to him. Say, you're dead. dead. Tell him again, you're dead. Now say, and you're alive.
It says that the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we're children of God. So I, I pray that right now. Holy Spirit, testify with my yeah. brothers and sisters right yeah. now in their yeah. spirit that they are children. You are children of the Most High God. He loves you. He has called you out. He has claimed you. He has raised you out of the pit. He has put you on a path of righteousness. It is him, in him, through him. In him you live, move, and have your being. There is no separation between you and God. He lives inside of you. You can encounter him. You can experience him. You can talk to him. You can ask him things. You can complain to him. You can even yell at him if you want to. He can take it. And, but he's right there. He's right there. Holy Spirit, just come and just rest on all of my brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name, peace, rest. Read Hebrews 4, rest in knowing the gospel. Rest in Jesus. their feet okay <clears throat> I want to say one more thing you might forget doesn't change anything God's gonna remind you remind each other remind each other I will stir you up by way of reminder all the time God's gonna just remind you if you have fall if you stumble we have an advocate hallelujah Time with you, making all things new. Your light is breaking through the dark. It's love, it is sweeter than wine, bringing joy, bringing life. Your hope is rising like the dawn. Right, verse one again. It's always like springtime with you, making all new. The light is breaking through the dark. This love it is sweeter than wine, bringing joy, bringing life. Hope is rising like the dawn. This is what you do. This is what you do. You make me come alive. This is what you do. This is what you do. You make me come alive. This is what you do. This is what you do. You make me come alive. You make me come alive. You make me come alive. Oh, you make me come alive. Make me come alive. Make me come alive. You make me come alive. You make me come alive. It's like I'm living for the first time. Finally living for the first time. It's like I'm living for the first time. Finally living for the first time. Finally living for the first time. Finally living for the first time It's like I'm living for the first time Finally living for the first time
Make me come alive. 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 It's like springtime with you, making all things new. Your light is breaking through. The dark love it is sweeter than wine, bringing joy, bringing light. Your hope is rising like the dawn. Oh, this is what you do, this is what you do. You make me come alive, this is what you do, this is what you do. You make me come alive, this is what you do, this is what you do. You make me come alive, you make me come alive, you make me come alive, you make me come alive. It's like I'm living for the first time, finally living for the first time. Like I'm living for the first time. Finally living for the first time. It's like I'm living for the first time. Finally living for the first time. It's like I'm living for the first time. Living for the first Just let it out. Yeah. Just let Woo. it out. You're oh, dead. Yeah. Just express your salvation. Yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah just uh, honestly, just let it out. That's the freedom we have. Yeah. That's the freedom we have. Just let your salvation out. Jesus! Everything! You're dead. Wow. Just let it bubble up in you. Just let it bubble up. Just let it bubble up. You need to pray with a neighbor. Don't hesitate. <clears throat> hey, CJ, do you have the song Promised Land in there? Feel free to look around during this song. When I see your face in my brother's face, when I see you in his eyes, it gives me joy deep, deep down. You're the God who lives inside. My sister's face, when I see your face, in my sister's face when I see you in her eyes it gives me joy deep deep down you're the God who lives inside You've taken me from the pit, you've set me on the rock, you forsook yourself for me. Now you reign on high, and 
die with thee, Lord. Oh, God, you are so good to me. Brother's face. When I see your face in my brother's face. When I see you in his eyes. Gives me joy. Deep, deep down, you're the God. In you we live, and in you we breathe. In you our hearts beat as one. Together we are forever at last. Oh Lord, may your mercies now. Sister's face, when I see your face, in my sister's face, when I see you in her eyes. God who lives inside. You're the God who lives inside. You've redeemed my soul from death and sheol. You placed me in your course. In your promised land, I will eat and drink of your righteousness forevermore when i see your face in my brother's face when i see you in his eyes gives me joy deep deep down for the god who lives sister's face when i see So if there are any newbies here who want to get more information about Community House and ask questions or anything, Paul is going to be upstairs in the living room as we announced earlier. So feel free to make your way up there um, at this time. We're just going to continue fellowshipping and praying down here. Yeah. Um, and so I don't, do we have prayer people coming up? I don't know, you can turn, turn to groups and, and just pray and whatever's yeah. on your heart about this. Yeah. And just uh, pray. Yeah. Bless each other. Proclaim life and truth over each other. Turn into those groups. But if you're a newbie and you want to go up um, to, to the meeting with Paul, you can do that.